Good evening and welcome to the Revelation podcast. I know that it's been a while since I put up anything consistently and I'm trying to do that. Believe me, um, things have kept me busy and have kept me away. A lot of good things and a lot of blessings that has happened in my life. And did I introduce my name? Well, I'm sorry if I did not introduce my name. My name is John, John Boardman, and I am the host of the Revelation Podcast. And let me go ahead and share with you that I have put up the Revelation Podcast page on Facebook. Uh, on that page, I put posts like scripture and I attached a link to the Revelation podcast. So hopefully by that, I will have more people listening to the Revelation podcast. And I am grateful for those who are listening. Rather be just one person per podcast episode. Believe me, I'm very grateful to God for you. I'm thankful for God that you have taken the time of listening to this podcast. And this podcast is about Christians doing martial arts and combat training. Now, I was lying in bed. And my mind just started to wander. And I visualized myself already saying this. Now, this may not come out exactly the way I visualize it. But I'm just going to go flow and share with you about Christians that do martial arts and combat sports. Now, combat sports, you include things like wrestling, MMA, and whatever form of fighting that we see in a form of sport. Now, what got me to thinking this was that I was thinking about a Christian that did a video about why the UFC or any type of MMA is bad for Christians spiritually. And he was pointing out the different um, cults tied with MMA and martial arts, such as the yin yang, and that how a lot of martial arts being done was a way for people to practice as a way of worshiping their gods such as Buddha and any type of Eastern religion that you can think of. And with what he says about martial arts is no different on the reason why that Greece did the ancient Olympics. In the ancient Olympics, they did sports as a way to worship towards the Greek gods. And in the ancient Olympic Games, you had wrestling and you had pancreation, which is pretty much MMA. 
So even in the ancient times, you had people doing sports as a way of worshiping towards their gods. And you fast forward that fast for that today, and you could take any type of sport you want to, and not just UFC. You could take the NFL. You could take even the Olympics, NBA, and whatever sport you want. And if you peel everything back, you could see at its core that sports is a way for people to worship the game itself, to worship the athletes, and other things about it. Now, going back to... This Christian that did this video about why um, people should not watch the UFC or watch anything MMA related. Um, I gotta be honest with that I did not watch the whole entire video, uh, not because I agree or disagree with you, but it was just because I think I just didn't have time to watch the rest of it, and I just completely forgot about it and I may go back and watch it later on and anyways well he, I'm not sure if he was talking about on how Christians should not do martial arts and this is what this video is about it's about Christians that do martial arts and this audio is going to be good for them because it's going to allow them to see where the dangers are that could hinder their spirit. And remember, as Christians, when we say, I am a Christian, that means I am born again. I am born again in Christ. Therefore, I am born in the spirit which is the holy spirit and the holy spirit has given me birth of the spirit it has regenerated my spirit that means i am christ and i abide in christ and christ alone now we can go out and say that in the Bible, it doesn't say that Christians can or cannot participate in martial arts, combat, or any sport. The Bible says it can, the Bible does not say a Christian can or cannot do these things like I just mentioned with martial arts combat sports or any kind of sport that is true now as a Christians in Romans chapter 1 let me flip to it and I'm reading from let me see I'm reading from KJV, King James Version. 
you go into Romans chapter 1. And I'm going with scripture on top of my head. And I may not get the verse right away, but if you bear with me, I'll quickly try to get to it as quickly as possible or I'll kind of put it to the side or come back to it later. I know in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul writes to the Romans, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, in this letter, when Paul says brethren, that means he's writing to believers. He's talking to believers as I'm talking to believers now. Well, I hope that I'm talking to believers. Now, I may have unbelievers that come across listening to this. And if you are, I welcome you as much. And I do thank you for taking the time. Now, let's go back to what Paul was saying to the believers in Rome. Now, we know from Romans chapter 1 that Paul says the saints. The saints are the same as the brethren. He is writing to Christians. Now, before Paul gets to Romans chapter 12, from Romans chapter 1 to chapter 11, he gets into deep about justification by faith. And that's something I would like to share. And I'm not sure if I'm going to share this in this podcast, but in this podcast episode. But who knows? I am being led by the Spirit, and the Spirit may go in depth into that. We will see. But, anyways, I want to stick to what I want to share with about Christians doing martial arts now going back to Romans chapter 12 verse 1 uh, I say that Paul is writing to the brothers and he says that by the mercies of God the way we attain by mercies of God is through faith in Christ we believe that Jesus is God he resurrected and because of power of his resurrection, we can obtain the mercies of God that forgives us of all our sins. And so, as brethren or as Christians that have their sins forgiven by God, that we should present our bodies. Our body is a tent. It is a tent for the Holy Spirit. You see, when we become born again in the Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in our bodies. As Peter says, my tent. When he says my tent, he's referring to the flesh, the physical bodies and so our body is home to 
the Holy Spirit. And so Paul goes on, I present your bodies a living sacrifice. We are a living sacrifice. We are a living sacrifice as animals that were sacrificed in the Old Covenant. In that, Levitical priests would annually sacrifice an animal for its sins and the sins of Israel. And that blood of the animal was to justify their sins. They offered those animals, they presented them in the beginning as living, and then later they would kill them to sacrifice, to use their blood as to justify their sins. Well, that was the Old Covenant. The new covenant that we have in Christ Jesus, he's the one that became the high priest. He's the one that became that sacrifice. And by his blood that was perfect, it was shed on the cross. He died for our sins. He sacrificed himself for us to give us an example and so he was holy he was acceptable unto God and being born again being born again of the Holy Spirit means that we have that likeness because of Christ we are holy because of Christ we can be accepted by God and so therefore we should present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, somewhere in the scripture, it talks about whatever ye, whatever ye do, do it unto God. So, whatever we do. Now, we have to be careful in saying whatever we do. Because even in that word... There are limits what Christians should and should not do. And I think it's somewhere where, somewhere in the Bible says, just because it is lawful, meaning that just because you can do it, does not mean that it is right. And just because the law says it's wrong doesn't mean it's right I mean we have a saying here in America like just because is not written in the law doesn't make it right and just because it's not written in the law doesn't make it wrong and I might confuse you guys on that. I do apologize. But one thing I do know is somewhere in the Bible talks about where, you know, it's just because it's lawful doesn't mean it's right. And just because it's unlawful doesn't mean it is wrong. And so going back to the idea of 
presenting your bodies as living sacrifices and whatever you do, do unto God. Well, you see, Christians, when we're born again, we should have this mindset and that, yes, we are free in the spirit and that we are no longer under the Old Testament law. We are no longer under that law. But that doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want. That doesn't mean that we can go out and steal. We can go out and lie. And we can go out and murder. I mean, if we do any of these things, we're going to jail. And it doesn't matter if we're a Christian or not. We're going to jail that we are going to jail because we have broken the law. So that goes back to where I said... That goes back to where I was saying about whatever ye do, whatever ye do, you know, that doesn't mean that we could do whatever. And at the same time, we have the liberty. We have the freedom to do good. I mean, Paul talks about loving your neighbor. That's the example of doing good. And what Paul says that goes all the way back to the new commandment that Christ gave his disciples. Christ gave us a new commandment, which is to love all. And in 1 John chapter 1, I believe, I know it's 1 John. And 1 John... Yes, and I think I'm, it's in First John. First John refers to the new commandment that Christ gave, and that new commandment is okay. It's in First John chapter two, verse seven. Again, KJV. And on a side note, no, I'm not reading KJV because I think it's the best or superior one. It's just that I like KJV. I mean, I like other translation as well, and I will be using those in the future. Well, anyways, in First John chapter two, verse seven says, "Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment." And John's writing this letter. John the apostle, that one that followed Jesus. John is also the one that wrote. The gospel. And when he opens verse 7 with, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment. Well, you see, the gospel of John, the time period was right around between 30, 33 AD, and the gospel, the letter of John, according to this note in the Bible, the time that people accept about John's three letters is they believe that John wrote his three letters around at the end of the first century of AD. So this was right close to 90. So you think about Jesus' ministry, 30, 33, and John's letters right around close to 90. So that's close, that's right around 60 years between when Jesus gave the new commandment that we read about in the Gospel of John and to John reminding them about the new commandment 
But he's saying it's an old commandment that they had received from the beginning. And when John says from the beginning, he's not referring to in the beginning like in Genesis. But he's talking about in the beginning when Christ established his ministry by establishing it through them. He has given them a new commandment. And that commandment is to love one another. And that includes the brethren. And John says in his letters that if a person does not love his brethren, that means that he doesn't have the love of Christ in them. And also when it comes to Christ's love, it includes our neighbors. I mean, Christ says it was about the law. He did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. And when someone asks Christ, which is the greatest commandment? Well, Christ tells them there's really two. Number one is to love God with all your heart. And if you look at commandments one through four, it has a deal with God. And if you look at commandments 5 through 10, it has a deal with people. And that goes with what Christ says, the next greatest commandment, which is behind love God. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. And Paul, in his letter to Romans, Romans chapter 13, he encourages followers to love your neighbor. So with what I'm getting at is that Christians, we have the freedom to love God and to love others and to do good. And there is no law that goes against doing good. And so when we present ourselves as living sacrifices... We are doing that to please God. And so whatever you do, as long as it is out of act of love towards God. Now let me back up a little bit. We know what God expects from us. We know that God loves us. We love him and we should love others with his love. And Jesus was very clear to us as apostles. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, whatever you desire, then it shall be done. Now, a lot of people take that verse out of context big time. They think, okay, if I follow the Bible, and if I desire to be a millionaire, then will I become a millionaire? Most likely, you're not going to be a millionaire. However, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So that means put God first in your life. Your focus should be on God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and that righteousness is a credit to us through Christ when we believe. He makes us 
righteous when we believe. He accredits to us of righteousness. And through our falling with Christ, we have the freedom to either follow God and continue in His righteousness or we don't do it. Now, when we don't do it, that means we decided that we no longer abide in Christ. And when we no longer abide in Christ, that means we can no longer bear fruit. And John and Jesus was very clear when they present the gospel message. They says, repent of your sins. Repent of your dead works. Those dead works are referring to not bearing the fruit that Christ expects us to bear. In order for us to bear the good fruit that Christ expects us, we have to abide in Him. So, His righteousness is the fruit that we should be bearing. And it's by His power through the Holy Spirit that we bear good fruit. Now, what is that good fruit? That good fruit we can see in Galatians chapter 5. Now, I think it's Galatians chapter 6. Let me verify that quickly for you. Bear with. And yes, I'm still talking about about Christians that do martial arts. I know I was talking about it. And we went to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We were talking about the brethren being Christians. We were talking about the mercy of God that received that when we are saved. And that we talked about that presenting our bodies as living sacrifices that I went talk about whatever you do do unto God and I think I want to be very very clear about wherever ye do because I don't want us to have the mentality that we could do whatever we want and be whatever we want and it's okay and that type of mentality goes against God and that means we are no longer abiding in Christ that means we're no longer bearing the fruit that Christ expects us to bear and the fruit that Christ talks about is the fruit of the Spirit that we bear by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul talks about that in Galatians chapter 5, um, beginning in verse 20, says, but the fruit of the Spirit. He knows the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. There is no law that goes against the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that we should bear. So be very clear that as Christians, that our objective is presenting our body as living sacrifice is to honor God. And we honor God by obeying Christ so we can allow the Holy Spirit through our spirit bear its fruit. So, in a way, in the last maybe five or ten minutes, I kind of presented faith and justification. Now, that was not my objective. Uh, my objective in this podcast is about Christians that do 
martial arts, and combat sports. Now, the reason why I'm doing this podcast is because I want us to be aware of the dangers that are in martial arts, combat sports, sports, or anything that we do. You know, in the gospel, in John's letter, he tells us to test the spirits so to see if it is of God. Now, martial arts, combat sports, or whatever we do, is not always going to be of God. I mean, I know there are Christian schools and Christian universities that has wrestling as part of its program. And I believe about wrestling, and this is my opinion from things I saw and things I observed that I happen to kind of agree with because it kind of makes sense. Um, it, and I shouldn't say a lot. Um, from people, should I say, from high-level people that have practiced wrestling. I'm trying to think how I pronounce his name. Let me see if I can pull it off. Let's see, am I recording? Yes, okay. Yes, I think I am recording. If I come back here, I'm still going. Good, good, good. Okay. Um, there was this gentleman um, I was listening to on YouTube. And he's been associated with catch wrestling lately. And let me see. Wayne, his, his, if you type in Wayne Wrestling and might be saying Wayne Wrestling, you guys may know who I'm talking about or maybe not. Let's see. Wayne, let's see. Wayne, or is it Wade Wrestling? Let me see. Wade Wrestler. Wade Wrestling or. Wait, wait. I think, I'm, yeah, Wade Shaw's. Wade Shaw's. Wade Shaw's is American, and yes, I'm reading from um, Google on the overview. Wade Shaw's is an American wrestler who, while representing Clarion University of Pennsylvania, was NCAA Division I champion in 1972 and 1973, winning the Outstanding Wrestling Award. He created unique wrestling moves and was known for pinning large percentage of his opponents yes from him he was talking about on how he believes that wrestling is the oldest combat and he believes that somewhere along the way is where you start seeing your striking sports such as you know um, boxing, kickboxing, karate, and taekwondo, whatever, because he believed that somewhere along the way, when they were wrestling, that you know they were learning the same thing, and it kind of created a stalemate where it forced one of the guys to start thinking, doing things differently, and so probably you had striking develop eventually after grappling, and. I'm not sure about what he says because I haven't seen any documents that verifies it. And something like that could be challenging to verify 
to see what he says to be 100% accurate. So I'm not sure about that, but I believe that wrestling is one of the oldest combat sport, if not the oldest combat sport. I mean, if you look in the Bible, in Genesis, we see Jacob wrestling with the angel. And later on in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul uses the word wrestle, or he uses the word struggle. Let me flip that up quickly. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, before I done this, I should have warned you that I'm going to be all over the place. <laughs> this is the way this audio is going to be. It's just going to be all over the place. And I do thank you for those who are bearing with me. And I believe that when I put this together that I am presenting the word with accuracy or I'm hoping to present it with accuracy. I mean, that's important. When Whenever we present the word of God that we must strive to present with accuracy. And that means present for what it is and not what I think it says or what I want it to say, but what it says. Okay, beautiful. I am here... In Ephesians chapter 6, and where he talks about the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, I think other translations will use the word struggle. Struggle and wrestle can be used interchangeably because the idea is the same. Whenever a person wrestles, they have a struggle that goes on. They have a struggle that goes beyond the physical you know so you know christians you know christian schools they have wrestling programs and wrestling as a sport traces its origins back to ancient greece and i already mentioned about ancient greece and how they use its sport to present um an act of worship to their gods now in Corinth it was known to have the Olympic Games and Paul wrote two letters to Corinth Corinth was a place where he planted a church along with Apollos not Apollos but um Priscilla and let me look it up real quick I know when he planted the church it was in Acts chapter 18 or 19 let me flip through to verify that. So hold on to me that real quick. Let's see. In the book of Acts. I'm in Acts right now. 13, 15, 16. Okay, I went a little bit too far. Paul at Ephesus. Apollos at Ephesus. Let's see. Paul planted a Corinth after he, after he left Athens. Yeah, okay. In Corinth. Paul, along with Aquila and his wife Priscilla, planted a church in Corinth. And later on, I believe when Paul was in... Yeah, I can flip a little more. I'm in Romans, going to Corinth... When Paul was in Corinth, let's see, in place of writing, 
Yes, when Paul wrote his letter to Corinth, it's most likely according to a scholar here that he was in Ephesus. And Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. And a lot of Paul's letters is he uses athletes to make his point. He uses runners and boxers and he uses wrestlers, you know. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in the ranges of verses 24 through 27, let me go ahead and read this. It's, I like this verse. He says, we begin in verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for things, mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, as in Christians, an incorruptible. I therefore so run, who runs? Runners. Not as uncertainty, so fight I. Who fights? Wrestlers, boxers, and people that practice pancreations. Not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, I really like to observe this letter that Paul writes, or part of this letter. Because whenever Christians want to promote, to do um, martial arts, combat sports, or even exercise... They'll use this verse to make their point. And when people view this verse, some people feel that Paul saw the Olympic Games. Others feel that Paul saw the athletes and he got an idea on what it's like. And yes, we don't have to follow a particular sport to get an idea on what it's about. I mean, I don't follow golf. I mean, I'll never follow golf. But I do know that there is golf, and I get an idea on what they have to do and how they might have to train. I get that idea. So I don't have to actually watch the sport to grasp what they're doing and trying to do. And I believe Paul would have not gone to the Olympic Games just because that it promotes idolatry and Paul warns the church that we shouldn't go places that promotes idolatry. And also, you know, with the Greek games, there was a lot of homosexual influences. I mean, you know, you had guys wrestling butt naked, basically. And in a way, it's kind of a form of homosexuality when two dudes are wrestling naked and not clothed, you know. And so I couldn't see Paul going and seeing those things, you know. You know, Paul, you know, he goes in towards it, but I keep my under my body and bring it under subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. But what would, what would castaway Paul? Well, continuous acts of sin. And Paul going to the Olympic Games that promotes idolatry, sex, 
and homosexuality and just all things of the flesh, you know. Paul knows that if he goes there, that's gonna bring him subjection under the flesh. That's going to give the birth of conception of sin. And that sin will manifest itself through the body. And Paul knows these things. That's why I believe that Paul did not go and watch the Olympic Games. Now, him being a tent maker, you know, he could observe athletes that were training, you know. And he understood, hey, these guys are training for a vet. And he knows why they're training for a vet. So Paul knows these things, and he doesn't have to go and watch them to know these things. He knows these things. And so Paul's whole point in Corinth when he's using the athlete is he wants, get, he wants Christians to have a visual on what our spiritual race is like. You know, in James chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Blessed are those who run the race with endurance so that they may obtain the crown of righteousness. And Second Timothy chapter 4, at the end of Paul's life, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have found to be worthy to receive the crown of righteousness. And that incorruptible crown that Paul mentions here in verse 25 is the same thing that he talked about in his second letter to Timothy. And it's the same thing that James talks about in his letter to the scattered brethren, also Christians. So there's an actual incorruptible crown that we will receive, but we will not receive in terms of our physical nature, but in terms of our spiritual nature that is acted through our body. The only way that it could act through is through our body, our spirit. Subject under the Holy Spirit, we abide in it so that we can bear good fruit. Whatever we say or do, whatever we do, it should be pleasing unto God. And like I said earlier, this thing is going to be random. And I'm very grateful to those who are sticking with me. And we are still talking about Christians that do martial arts and I was earlier on talking about wrestling and how it was an ancient form of wrestling and that wrestling is part of Christian schools and even Christian universities and that wrestling can trace it as a sport in ancient Greece in the Olympics and then in the Olympics it brings us to Corinth, which was a place of the Olympics and also a place where Paul planted a church and it was where he sent two of his letters. And in that letter, we see him utilizing the Olympic athletes such as runners and fighters to make his point. And that's all it says. Paul is making his point on why we should continue the race. And I don't think it should be taken out of context so we can make the point of that Christians should exercise or Christians should do martial arts or Christians should do uh, any type of combat sport. And yes, in one of Paul's letters to Timothy, let me go ahead and bring that up since we're talking about this. If you look at 1 Timothy, let me see, how quickly can I find it? Ah, I think it's in 4. 1 Timothy. I'm going to... 
I am gonna let's see first Timothy yeah beautiful first Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 where for body exercise profits little yes body exercise is like any type of exercise or I should say any type of exercise most exercises I should say body exercises um some certain martial arts but hold that thought right there let me go back for body exercise profit little so general body exercise does profit little but listen to what he says at, but godliness is profitable unto all things so whatever we do we should do unto God because it's profitable unto all things now who is it profitable to well it's profitable to other believers to encourage other believers to follow continue their walk with Christ and it's also encouraged those who are seeking God now those who are seeking God may not be saved yet because they haven't believed in Jesus so those who are still lost and yet still seeing if God is who he says he is well our testimony that we offer through our body as living sacrifices you know can bring them in so at least two things you know godliness benefits it benefits believers to encourage them in their faith and unbelievers who are seeking God now it's not I who saves people, and it's not what I do that saves people. It is the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can convince people that Jesus is Lord. I mean, the only way that I know that Jesus is Lord is by the Holy Spirit confessing it by another believer through its spirit. And if you want to verify what I said, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Oh no, 12. And I always get 14 and 12 confused because 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the love letter. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is about spiritual gifts. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says, Wherever for I give you to understand that no means speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse. And listen to what, I, what this verse says. It testifies to what I just said. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. So when I say Jesus is Lord, that means I'm saying He is God. He is the only way. He is the truth. And I am able to say that by the Holy Ghost. And I cannot say that as natural man. And when I say natural man, I'm meaning people that are not saved meaning they are not saved. And people that are not saved will not understand the Bible. They will not understand the Word of God. I mean, to them, it's foreign. Now, they may be able to know what's in it 
and memorize it from Genesis to Revelation. And I know, and I believe there are some that have done that. Now, just because you memorize something and know something does not mean that you understand it. And the only way that we can understand the Word of God is by the Holy Spirit. And excuse me, I'm gonna take a sip, gotta whip my whistle. Those that want to know is I am just drinking sparkling water. Just regular sparkling water. Nothing else. Well, okay. So, this podcast is about Christians that do martial arts. And throughout the podcast, I am repeating what this podcast is about. So, that way you know that I'm still trying to stay on track. And again, I want to thank those who are listening to this and I know this is going long and I have no idea yet on when this is going to end um, but I want to share about Christians that do martial arts and combat sports and around the beginning of this podcast I shared on what led me to this where I was thinking about a Christian that did this YouTube video on why Christians um, should not watch UFC or MA related because of the Eastern religion and the occult ties to it. And I think I said that he made some valid points that made me think. And if you happen to find the video, that encourage you to watch the video. You know, it may be helpful. Now, I'm talking about. Uh, about Christians, should they do martial arts or combat sports or not? And on that, I went to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I started there, and from there we saw Paul um, tell the brethren, the Christians, that this bodies that have been redeemed should be presented unto God as a living sacrifice. And whatever you do, you do unto God. And we do that through the liberty that the Holy Spirit has given us. And the liberty that it has given us, we should use that liberty to bear good fruit and not feed the flesh. And so, Christians that began to think about doing martial arts or already doing martial arts should be wise. In the word, the word gives us discernment. We have discernment on to see what is right and what is wrong. Now, just because it's written in the law doesn't mean it's right. And at the same time, doesn't mean it is wrong. Now, being born again, we are no longer under the old law. We are under the new law. The new law is Christ. And he has given us a new commandment. And that new commandment is to love others and love another. And so, being guided by the Holy Spirit that has given us truth, 
he is going to guide us and he's going to help us see what is right and what is wrong. Now, earlier on or previously, I was at 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 and that's the verse where Paul talks about about body exercise does a little good. And I started mentioning different examples and I kind of got hung up a little bit. And so I kind of had a refer to as general exercises. The idea of exercising to improve our health is good. You know, it is good. And remember, I talked about the body being a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we should do all that we can to try to take care of it as the best as we can. Now, some of us live in apartments or some of us live in a home that we own are renting. Well, one of the things that may be part of that is that we should take care of our property as best as we can. Why? Because we probably want to be as comfortable as we possibly can. Um, Part of that is making sure that our house is clean, making sure that we're paying the electric bill, and being sure, I mean, we want to be sure that our AC and heater is working properly the way it needs to be. And when it's not working properly, we're going to find out why and we're going to do all we can to fix it because we want to be as comfortable as possible. So we are maintaining our house to live as comfortable as possible. Well, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we don't take care of our bodies like the way we should, it's going to break down. And it's going to be hard for our spirit to be able to manifest the works of the Holy Spirit when our body's constantly broken down. You know, I mean, it's through our body that the Holy Spirit manifests its fruit. And it's hard to do when our body's constantly broken down because we made bad health choices by not exercises and not eating right. So bodily exercise is good. It is good. Now, when we go out to exercise as Christians, we still need discernment. We need discernment so we don't put ourselves in a place where it's going to entice our flesh. Now, something like that is very hard in this day and age because our gyms are probably like the gyms in ancient times where people that worked out there probably worked out in the nude and had no problem with it. And most likely, I couldn't see the apostles going in there for that reason. But that doesn't mean that the apostles did or did not exercise. I mean, we don't really... Well, yeah, I mean, they did exercise. They walked around a lot. They did a lot of manual labor. I mean, Paul was a tent maker. 
and they didn't have automatic machines. I mean, for them to build tents, they had to do it manually. So they probably had to twist and turn the tools. I mean, they done bodily exercises through that. And so it's probably fair to say that Jesus and the Christians living in the New Testament time were in better shape than Christians now. I mean, there are evidences that reveal that out of all the religions, that Christianity is the unhealthiest and is the fattest. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Now, Christians that are listening to this, and I'm not sure if Christians that are not interested in martial arts are listening to this, but if you happen to listen to this, I do thank you, and I hope that this message is encouraged. I hope the Holy Spirit is encouraging you. You know, the Holy Spirit is encouraging you. And so I'm kind of losing my train of thought a little bit. Let me take a little sip, a little bit, and I'm sure it'll, it'll come right back on. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. The Christian benefits with bodily exercises. And yet, we should be cautious. We should discern what is right and what is wrong. Especially when we're starting thinking about doing martial arts or joining a gym for the purpose of our health. You know, with little gyms, you know, there's a lot of physical flesh that's going on for guy and girl. And I'm not going to say that gyms should tell people what they can or cannot wear. That's not for me to decide... That's really none of my business, you know. And I don't want Christians all of a sudden going protesting gyms because they're doing the way that they're doing this. I mean, we have to understand these are unbelievers. So unbelievers are going to do what unbelievers do. That's natural to them. Well, Christians are spiritual. So we should be led by the Spirit, you know. And part of being led by a spirit is being discerned, you know. And so when we're in the process of looking for a gym or looking for a martial art to be able to learn self-defense, which is good. You know, remember, Peter carried a sword, even though he used it at the wrong time. And Jesus later on told his apostles, hey, you should carry a sword. I mean, they weren't carrying a sword just so they could cut grass or cut wheat. I mean, that sword was used to defend themselves just in case. So as being followers of Christ and being a head of the household, we should do all we can to defend our families, which is why I think, which is why I believe that it should be okay for a Christian to practice some form of combat sport or martial art. Now, my opinion on that is that I believe whatever combat sport or martial art is that it should be effective. It should be practical. And it should be honest. And in all honesty, the best form of self-defense is a weapon. A gun. And no matter 
what type of martial art you do or combat sport if a person is holding a gun and knows how to use it and he's pointing at you that person's gonna win no matter what I mean that is the truth and that's a side note and that's a period to my side now and going back to going back to it's late at night and I need another sip and going back to hmm, going back to Christians exercising and having discernment having discernment on how to exercise and I'm not talking yet about technique and things like that how to exercise can refer to uh, where to go for exercise and we definitely need discernment especially if you are just a new Christian that you've been born again you do have the spirit yes you've been born of the spirit and it's going to take time for you to be full of spirit and understand the word but don't worry the Holy Spirit is faithful and he'll guide you you just have to be faithful to it daily and that's why going back to Romans chapter 12 verse 2 Paul talks about renewing our mind we have to renew our mind daily because it's part of our soul and our soul has the freedom to either live in the flesh or by the spirit and so in Paul's there it talks about renewing our mind now Paul never says to renew our spirit we don't have to renew our spirit because the Holy Spirit is already doing that but we have to renew our mind we have to renew our mind with the word we have to do it daily I mean in a way kind of like eating right you know if we want to make changes we have to eat right daily and so we have to renew our mind daily with the word the word the bible the holy spirit manifests itself as truth to us so we can see read we can memorize and we can meditate on it and when we get to meditating on the word and understanding the word then we are beginning to be filled by the spirit we are beginning to be filled by the spirit filled by the holy spirit you know and so when we are new babies in Christ when we are still carnal or even if we are mature we still need discernment about where we go you know I mean it's no different like when we see porn or adult bookstore we see say, okay we need to get we need to run we need to flee we need to get far away from it far away from it we need to get away far away from it now I'm not saying that is how our mentality should be all the gyms because not all the gyms are gonna have the flesh appealing to us you know not all gyms you know but that's just discernment right there you know we need to pray and we need to trust the Holy Spirit to be able to guide us you know and so there are some gyms 
that are very extreme in the flesh where guys and girls are barely wearing anything at all and you can see pretty much all of their flesh and you know knowing that you know I believe that Christians should not go there I believe it don't matter what type of Christian you are I don't care if you're a baby or mature if you go to a place where it's predominantly revealing the flesh you're going to fall I mean you may not fall right away but you're going to fall eventually and so Paul talks about that, you know, I put my body under subjection, under the spirit. And so when Paul talks about Romans chapter 7 and 8, where he talks about the flesh and the spirit, and he talks about, you know, sin and the spirit that, you know, we don't want to put our body under the subjection of the flesh. We don't want to go in that direction. And to avoid that direction, we don't want to put ourselves in that place. You know, Christ talks about it. He says, whatever causes you to sin, you know, you need to remove it. And the way he said it, he says, that if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better to enter eternity with one eye than go eternity with two eyes. Now, is Christ actually telling someone to physically pluck out their eye? No. He's using it metaphorically. He's making the point of that. If there's things that we know that causes us to sin, that causes us to stumble, that we should stay far away from. We should flee from it. We should get away from it. We should run. We should flee from it. We should get out of that place the same way that Lot got out of Sodom. You know, we should not look back. We should just get away from it you know now now all gyms are not heavily heavily in the flesh like i did personal training at the ymca and also at gold's gym and if i compare it to i would say gold's gym most likely is heavily in the flesh than the y but that doesn't mean the y is not in the flesh at all because there are people that do work out there that may be revealing a little bit more of the flesh. And I know that with both gyms that they have certain guidelines on what people should or should not wear. But in all honesty, do all gyms really follow those guidelines? No. And that goes again to what I'm saying. that It goes back to the Christian. That the Christian needs to have discernment. They need to be led by the Spirit. They need to follow its Spirit and to know what is right and wrong. And so, you know, if you go to a gym for the first time and there's a gym tour, you know, of course all gyms give that gym tour. You walk to the gym and you're walking through and, you know, believe me, the spirit is gonna warn you. It's gonna give you red lights. You know, it's gonna give you red lights. To say, hey, this place is a little bit too much of the flesh. I shouldn't be here. It's going to warn you. You know. Now, in that tour, if it's early in the morning when there's hardly no one around, you may not get that. But then again, there's that trial, and you go to that trial later on to the day, and. It may give you rest. Hey, hey, you shouldn't. You may think about this. You really, really need to think about this. Now, thank God 
that we live in the 21st century and that technology has shaken everything, including the gym industry. I mean, right now, gyms and personal trainers, and you go to YouTube, you could learn how to exercise through YouTube. And you could buy gym equipment for under like 50 bucks, good equipment under 50 bucks that's practical and you can use it from your home and you can watch a video and you could exercise and you can avoid being tempted from the flesh. Now, I'm saying this not to say that you should all of a sudden buy gym equipment and just watch exercise videos on YouTube. I'm not saying that's the only way. That's just an option, and it's a good option, especially if you are still weak in the flesh by getting tempted by the flesh. Now, if you're spiritually discerned and strong enough to where you can exercise in places that's not heavily in the flesh revealing, and then there, like I said, there are gyms that do have strong guidelines and they do all they can to make sure that people are properly covered. But then again, it's hard to say what is or what isn't probably covered according to what says in the world. But we know according to the word, you know, what's benefiting our spirit and what's feeding our flesh. And so... You may find a place where, you know, there are actually Christian gyms, you know, that, you know, that's clean and that they're promoting living the spirit. And there are places like that. And if you happen to find those places and work out there, that is fine. Now, I'm not saying you should or should not do it because... It's the Holy Spirit through our spirit that says we should or should not do it. And we should abide in Him. We should guide in Him. We should rely upon Him. And by Him, He's going to help us. He's going to help us figure out how we can exercise and how we can do it. And exercises. Now... About Christians that do about Christians that do martial arts and combat sports. Now earlier on I mentioned that this may be good for someone who's thinking about or someone that who's been doing it. And I'm not saying this to not for you to do martial arts because I too trained in martial arts. I did taekwondo, I did kickboxing, I did jujitsu. So I, I did a little bit of everything, you know. And from my experience, when I was carnal, and I was when I was immature Christian, I could have a tendency of Making things that I like my idols, not by conscious but unconscious. You know, I would when I was really doing jujitsu and martial arts, like around 
2009 to about 2015, I was really into it. Not only was I practicing it, but I was literally worshiping it. You know, on YouTube, I watch UFC on YouTube. I will go watch the fights live. I mean, at that time, I I knew enough to where I had an idea on who was in the top five pound for pound, you know, and I would debate on who I thought was the best fighter. But now, I don't have an idea. I mean, at best, I could maybe name 10 fighters, and out of those 10 fighters, how many of them are really active? How many of them are really active? Now, in this, I don't want to go in depth to talk about the fighters or talk about the sport itself. I want to focus on what I want to share with you, and that's Christian's. Should Christian do martial arts or kickboxing? And I already said I did them. And before that, I said that I'm sharing this with you because as Christians, we need to be discerned. I mean, a while ago, I went deep on why I went deep on how we should be discerned on places that we do exercise. Well, we also need to have discernment on where we practice martial arts. Because remember, a lot of martial arts, including jiu-jitsu, has a lot of heavy ties with Eastern philosophies, Eastern religion, and even Eastern mysticism. Now, on the surface, they may have good intentions... But natural man, even with his good intentions, are still corrupt. They're still corrupt by nature. And we have to remember, before we met Christ, we were like that. I mean, Paul talks about the corruptible crown in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Well, also, there's the corruptible body. And when we are born out of the womb, we have all received the corruptible body and when we are saved we are a new creature and that new creature is not our physical body but it is our spirit our spirit is the new creature and through our spirit by the holy spirit we can have discernment by what we do so we can use the liberty to glorify God by bearing good fruit. Bearing good fruit. By bearing good fruit. Now, going back about Christians being discerned on where they go and practice martial arts we have to be careful because there's quite a few martial art places that use martial arts as a front to an occult yes to an occult 
you know, occults the idea of having a group of people under control under dark influences. And all the occults and cults throughout the world have their ties back to Satan. And remember I read from Paul, Ephesians chapter 6, for we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against um, principalities that's above the heavenly skies. Skies refers to our actual skies. Um, no, there are demonic forces, there are demons, and there's the devil that is in this world. And he uses occults and religions to bring us under his subjection. And so Satan can use martial arts as a way to bring people under his subjection. And he tried to bring me under his subjection. Remember earlier on I was sharing how I practiced martial arts and then around 2009, 2015, I was so consumed by that. It's almost as if I was worshiping it, you know. And I had no intention of doing that. But that's what happens when you put things that you love above God. And when you do that, you're saying, I love these things more than God. And in the Ten Commandments, it's very, very clear that thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any idols. And whenever we put things above God, we are at least breaking the two, at least two commandments. And James is very clear on that. And he says, if you break at least one commandment, you're, breaking, you're guilty of breaking the whole entire law. But thank God that we're no longer under the law. We are under the new covenant. And God is faithful that when we repent of our sins and we turn away, we still have his mercy. We still have his graces. And not only that, he enriched us even more. The same way that the father enriched the prodigal son when he returned from his sin journey. Now, going back to my experiences in martial arts, and I don't have high experience. And if you're looking for someone with high level that's going to teach you, that's going to get you to the next level, this is, you probably should not be listening to this for that. But if you're an unbeliever, or believer and your interest about what I have to say about the dangers of martial arts. You want to listen to me? Um, wonderful. Um, very grateful. Very grateful for you to take the time of listening to this podcast. And and so my experience in the martial arts, you know, you see danger. And you immediately are aware, you're urgent, you have precautions, or you just stay away from it. And that might be the case, the Holy Spirit may lead you out of martial arts because it knows about the dangers that can easily suck you into darkness and turn you away from God. I mean, 
that's that may be possible that could be the outcome of it you know but that's not me saying um that's why we have to be full of the holy spirit we have to know how to listen to the holy spirit and something like that takes time now going back to what i thought about and i this is what i want to share you know this is what i really want to share you know when we practice martial art and combat sport at least one of the reasons that we sh- that we practice or we should practice is that it gives us the possibility to save us from death period listen to what i say it gives us the possibility to save us from death period now i'm just going to say the last four words save us from death save us from death in other words we practice martial arts to protect ourselves from harm that possibly could lead us to death i mean we see people being physically harmed and people getting killed all the time on youtube and we have the best combat athletes and martial artists observe and look at the videos and they look and see on what could have been done to avoid that situation and one of the groups in martial art that does it is probably the most famous family of all martial arts or they're one of the most famous one of the most famous families in all martial arts they could be considered the rockefeller of the martial arts world and i'm talking about the gracies the ufc was introduced to us by the gracies the gracies learned jiu-jitsu by the Japanese ambassador Mitsu Maeda. Now I may pronounce his name wrong. I do apologize, but I know that jiu-jitsu went to Brazil to the ambassador of Japan and he taught the father or grandfather of the Gracies. He showed the sons a little bit of the jiu-jitsu. And then Carlson started practicing it. And then eventually, Elio Gracie started practicing it. You know, they practice it in terms of self-defense. And in terms of self-defense, meaning that 
you are practicing a martial art to protect your life from death. They protect your life from death. And so, Carlson Gracie. Eh. Carlson Gracie passed away in 2006. And Elio Gracie passed away in 2009. He passed away in 2009. Both guys are dead. Bruce Lee died. I think Bruce Lee died in the mid-70s. I'm guessing. He died in the mid-70s. And we hear professional fighters dying. You know, unexpectedly. Mm. There's... There's... Kimbo Slice. Yeah, Kimbo Slice. A street fighter that became an MMA fire died unexpectedly you know they died now they all practice self defense and the purpose of their self defense was to save them from death now I'm asking the question did it save them from death? Did it save them from death? Now, these guys that I mentioned, they did not die as a result of combat, but they still die, even though they were considered lifelong practitioners. They still died. They still died. They still died. So, does martial arts and combat sports save our lives? Do they really save our lives? Do they? Now, I'm not familiar on how Carlson Gracie died. And it's still kind of a mystery on how Bruce Lee died. I mean the real the reasonable conclusion that he died with an overdose of drugs and it was well known that he was heavily into drugs um, because he used opium to 
heal his body. I mean, he broke his back and, you know, after he healed his back or recovered, I could imagine that his body was still carrying a lot of pain. I mean, the way that he lived his life, you know, he hardly ever slept and hardly ever got the amounts of rest. And that explains why in later in his film, especially like Enter the Dragon and the film that he died on, Game of Death, that you saw his body hardly carrying around a lot of fat. And a lot of people said it's a byproduct of him practicing martial arts. But I don't think that even with the practicing of martial arts that his body would have been at low body fat levels. I mean, low body fat levels is unhealthy to the body, especially having it for a long period of time, as in Bruce Lee doing film. And so, Bruce Lee died. He's dead. Elio Gracie. He's dead. Now, I'm not saying that to knock at the Gracies. I'm not saying that to be disrespectful towards them. That's not my intent. And I don't think that they'll listen to this. I don't see a high percentage. But if they happen to come across this, <laughs> if they happen to listen to this for an hour and 30 minutes or listen to it later, I'm very impressed. And I want to say thank you. And again, when I state that Alio Gracie is dead, I'm not stating that as being disrespectful. Now, it's a fact that he's dead, and it doesn't matter if people are saying it as disrespect or respect. The fact that he is dead, even though he was pretty much a lifelong practitioner. And like a lot of people that get into martial arts, especially jujitsu, that jujitsu sometimes can go from just practicing to learn self-defense to being its life. And Gracie's are a great example of jiu-jitsu being their life. They pretty much were grown with it. So a lot of them breathe it like automatically non-stop. And I'm not sure about the Gracie's spirit. I'm not when I'm saying that I'm not sure if they're Christians. I'm not sure if they're born again that receives. I don't know that. I don't know, you know. And if you were to ask me, and I'm not absolute on this, if you ask me, hey, do you think the Gracies are saved? Do you think that they believe in Jesus? I don't know. I never heard them confess it verbally. And even they confess it verbally. Christ was very, very clear that he says, You'll know my followers by my fruit, by the fruit that they bear. Well, a lot of them will say, Oh, yeah, well, you know, 
the Gracies, you know, they're good. They're good people. You know, they teach a lot of good things. They teach us how to live good, you know, how to stay out of trouble, how to take care of ourselves, you know, um, practice jujitsu, make sure that we're doing it for good. Yeah, those things are good. And I applaud them for wanting to do good. But are they good according to their own standards? In other words, according to natural man? You know, natural man does not accept Christ for who he is because they don't have the Holy Spirit. That's why they're still natural. And within natural man, they're I mean you could say they're either skeptical they're not sure about God or they're atheists you know atheist means that it means a lot of things towards God either they don't believe that God exists or they believe that God exists but his judgment doesn't really matter or they could be Gnostics, and Gnostics are a cult of Satan, religions. Gnostics, they twist the word of God, you know. Example of Gnostics twisting the word of God is that in their books, the serpent in the garden is the good God. And the God above is the bad God. I mean, that's just a great example of Satan twisting things. He twists things. That things that God does good, he makes bad. The things that he does good are actually evil. They're evil. Things that he does are evil. Excuse me. Now going back to what I was saying before I went off to mention about natural man yes about natural man I'm not sure if the Gracies are born of the spirit or they are natural man and I'll take out the grace because I don't want to point them like they're the only ones uh, let's overall let's change Gracies and we'll replace it with martial arts. In martial arts, just like anything else, they're either led by the natural man, or they are being led by people who have been born again that have received the spirit. Now, I've been blessed uh, when I trained martial arts. In 2009 to 2015, I trained under um, Coach Jamie Ridgway, and he's a Christian that happens to be a black belt under Pedro Sauer. Um, Pedro Sauer is the first non-Gracie to receive a black belt. And for those that understand jiu-jitsu and grappling, they understand that's quite an accomplishment. Well, my coach Jamie, he got his black belt. He, I think he was the first person in Central Virginia 
to receive a Gracie black belt in jiu-jitsu and that's quite an accomplishment well anyways he's a Christian he is born of the spirit and so he's able to use martial arts to help people and at the same time share the love of God now the natural man that leads martial arts I want to talk about leads martial arts he could be the founder and or he could be the teacher natural man he is a natural man a natural man does not understand the word of God now like I said earlier on the natural man may know from Genesis to Revelation and he may memorize the scripture but that doesn't mean he understands and the only way he can understand the word is by being born again of the spirit to read to see the holy spirit so first he could testify that jesus is lord and then he could know he could understand begin to understand the truth natural man the natural man will be led by his flesh that is natural to him he will be led according to his flesh now the common thing that we all have when we are born of the flesh is that we have a conscience God has given us a conscience. That means God has written his law in our hearts. So we have an idea on what is right and what is wrong. We have a sense that we shouldn't lie. We have a sense that we shouldn't steal. And we have a sense that we should not murder. And when it comes to lying we justify it because in natural man there is no absolutes it's relative it all depends on you it depends on how it fits you and they will go and say say you know it's okay to tell a little lie well, what's the difference between a little lie and a great lie? Was Watergate a little lie? I mean, I'm sure guys that were planning it thought, hey, this is not that bad. It's just a little lie to them. To us, it's like, it's a great big lie. But Jesus in his teaching about sin he was sharing a story about how a tower fell on top of people and killed that and I'm not saying exactly right I have to go back and look it up but he says something along the lines he says do you think those people died because of their sin and he says he says, understand this, unless you repent of your sin, you're going to experience the same judgment. So, in God's eyes, 
Sin is sin. Lying is lying. With God, there is no such thing as a little lie and a great lie. Lying is lying. Lying. However, the man who thinks and how things will fit him according to his needs will justify his laws even though he has already been given a conscience. So he's already going to do whatever. Now, he can't do whatever he wants because there's still his laws that he has established. Why has he established those laws even though later on he's going to break down with a lie. I mean, with law, it's against the law to bear false testimony against my neighbor. You know, it's against the law to bear false information. You know, there and bearing false information and is lying. It's lying if you peel at its core. It is lying. So we have laws against lying. Man establishes that law. Why does he get to establish it? Who gave him the right to establish that law? Well, I agree that it's important for us to have law. Because we need law to have order. It's no different than, you know, you go to a jiu-jitsu school and they have rules already established. And they let people who are thinking about it know these rules. They are doing that because it's important for them to keep order. I mean, God, the creator of the universe, where order came from. He established order in his creation. He established order within humans and marriage and government. He established law with the nation of Israel, Christ under his new covenant established order with his new commandment is to love him and to love others. And through that, we see that within his body, his body, referring to he's the head and the body are his followers. And even the body, even his followers that are the body and they are with the head of Christ, they're still referred to as body of Christ. Those are examples of order. So across the board, from natural to spiritual, we are familiar with order. We see that in the laws. Well, the law is supposed to establish order. We haven't seen that in 2020. <laughs> There's disorder. But eventually it's going to go back to order, you know. I mean, it's just natural, you know, things that tend to go a little disorder, orders, laws, they're going to pull it back into order, order, O-R-D-E-R, not O-D-O-R, order, order. So, natural man has his laws. He uses it to establish order. Even though later on he's going to cause disorder by breaking the law with a 
lie. Now, he's intelligent enough, he's, he might be smart enough to where he could get around it. And it's been proven that man, even with his own laws man established, even though he breaks it, he has a way to get around it to avoid the justifications of it. Well, that natural man, and it doesn't matter if he's an atheist, agnostic, or Gnostic. It doesn't matter. Because. You know. When he's on his deathbed. When he's getting ready to die. He's going to be wondering. The what if. Like. What if. All the things I've heard about God. Is real. Then what. Whoa. You know. Now on side note on that. You know, I was listening to Joe Rogan talk to Josh Barnett. And yes, from time to time, I do like to listen to Joe Rogan. And I know that I probably should not be listening to it because obviously he's of the world, you know. But, I mean, I pray that God would give me favor and keep my senses guarded in Jesus' name. Well... Anyways, he was talking to Josh Barnett, and they happened to talk about ancient Japanese samurai philosophy through books that they have read. And the books I taught, The Book of Five Rings, and when I was heavily into Mark, I did read that book. And Joe Rogan being a skeptic to God and to the Bible, well, I'm going to be a skeptic to the samurai books. I mean, how do you know if those books are really real? How do you know if they're not made up? Okay, history is with that that the guy that writ the book of fire he did exist. Okay, history verified that guy did exist. Okay, I agree that he does that he did exist. But how do you know if what he written is true? Now, in the book of five rings, there could be some truth. Well, some truth means there's not complete truth. And so, how much of that stuff is made up, you know? And so, when a natural man reads something as the Book of Rings, they could have this hardcore mentality that they're not afraid of death. And Josh Barnett talked about as if when you face death, it's honorable, and it's really going to be nothing. And that view right there is a great scheme of Satan. It's a great trick of Satan to get natural man comfortable and thinking that, oh, dying, it's not really that much of a big deal. No, no, it's not that big of a deal at all. No, even the guy, the book of five rings, he's dead. And I promise you that wherever he's buried at, that his body is still there. He died, even though he did not get killed in a sword fight. He's still dead. He's still in his grave. When it comes to death, the spiritual 
and natural man are fearful. That explains why a lot of us tend to seek God. And there are a lot of people right now are seeking God because of all the bad things that are going on. And they realize that their life is a blink of an eye. That they could die at any moment. And it doesn't have to be expected. You die unexpectedly. That is for the spiritual man. And that is for the natural man. The natural man that dies. You know. He's about to die. He's on his deathbed. And he has some sort of illness that is uncurable. And he knows that he's not coming back. In that situation, what's he thinking about, you know? Is he thinking about, you know, his money that he obtained? Is he thinking about all the relationships that he had? Is he thinking about, you know, the houses? Or is he thinking about, oh, I could have had more money? I mean, is he really thinking about that? I mean, I don't know this natural man that I'm describing, but... Most likely, I indicate that he's not thinking about these things. I mean, he's about to die. And natural man has not figured out a way to get people back from the dead. And so he knows there's no invention, there's no cure. So he realized that when he's dead, that it's not like a trip that he's taken where he's going to return. I mean, when he is dead, that's it. There's no coming back. And it doesn't matter if this person has been a lifelong practitioner of jujitsu, taekwondo. It doesn't matter once you're on the deathbed and you're about to die. Do you think that you're going to reflect on all your accomplishments like the titles that you won? your trophies and your medals you know Paul said earlier on that the Greeks or the Olympians were training for a corruptible crown and the Bible somewhere talks about that corruptible crown will perish and so your titles your money your medals and all these things they're going to perish before they perish, someone else is going to take them. They're going to buy them. They're going to pass them on. They're going to drop it. They're going to break it. And you're going to find it in the pawn shop. And someone's going to buy it for a lot less than what you invested in it. I mean, that's the honest truth. So, most likely, you're not going to think about those things. Because they're just going to make you sad and depressed anyways. So, a natural man that is dying what does he think about you know what is he thinking about he's thinking about the what if and all of a sudden he has a little or tries to have hope he's hoping that if there is God and there is heaven that he's just gonna be 
gracious and he's gonna be loving and he's just gonna let them go by he's just gonna let them go in because he's just a loving and graceful God yeah let's let's hit rewind for the natural man that's dying on the bed let's rewind him to a time where he's healthy and he has his house would that person let a rapist murder or molester in his house I mean if he's in the right mind somewhere in the right mind natural yeah, he hasn't conned off the grid would he let that person into his home? Logical answer would be, probably not. I mean, why not? Well, that natural man would be afraid that murderer might murder him and he might ruin his life and ruin his home. Or, you know, that rapist might come in and rape him or rape his woman, you know? Well, maybe this rapist is a higher level black belt jiu-jitsu. I mean, there are those out there, you know, and he has no chance, you know. And so, you know, would this per natural man let this evil person in? Most likely not, because like I said, he's going to ruin everything. Now... Think about God. God has heaven. Do you think God should just let a sinner has broken his law into heaven? Do you think he should let him in? And why should he? You know, that unrepentant sinner, obviously like the rapist that has not changed, is just going to go into heaven and he's just going to ruin everything. He's just going to ruin everything. Well, according to his law, we are all guilty. For we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And when we break just one commandment, we're breaking the whole entire law. Now, when people hear that, and they may still lie and steal, and they may try to justify themselves saying, oh, You know what? I haven't murdered anybody yet. Okay. Well, Jesus knew that the people he spoke thought like that. So he told them that said, Hey, listen, we all know that murder is wrong. But let me tell you this. If you hate someone, that makes you a murderer. And first John, John says that if a believer has hatred in his heart, that means he's not a believer because he doesn't have a love of Christ. So if you hate someone, you are guilty as murder. And because we're all born with the flesh, we are all born with hate. We are all born with envy. We are all born with grief. Therefore, we have all sinned. We have fallen we have fallen the short we have fallen short of God's glory. And Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, "For the wages of sin is death." But the gift of God is eternal life. 
that gift is what I mentioned earlier on the mercies of God. It's by God's mercy that we can have eternal life. And we have eternal life when we are born again and we are born of the Spirit. And so those who have their names written in the book of life by being born again will enter into God's kingdom. But those who have not believed in God and have not repented and have continued in sin will not enter into God's kingdom. They will be cast away in eternity in hell forever, forever, and ever. Now these are not my words. These are the words that's in the word, the Holy Spirit, the Bible. So, now as you can see me, hear me, talk about, about Christians that do martial arts. Spiritual man versus the natural man. Pretty much, I, I think I'm going to call it natural man. Uh, anyways. Natural man versus a spiritual man. The natural man that leads martial arts that's about to die because of some sort of illness, you know. He's about to die. Just like Alio when he has ammonia, you know. I'm not sh sure what his, I'm not sure if he's saved or not. I don't know. And if you come back and tell, oh, he's a good guy. Okay. Why was he a good guy? How was he a good guy? Was he good by his own natural man, by his own self-righteousness? The Bible is very clear that if he cannot say that Jesus is Lord and have good fruit, that means that he was not saved. If he was not saved, then he's in hell. That's the truth. I mean, it's fair to say that he worshipped jiu-jitsu. He worshipped Gracie jiu-jitsu. So, he worshipped his family's name. So, when we worship other things than God, we are practiced idolatry. And we are going down a path that is going to seal our conscience. It's going to turn us away from God. And it's going to lead us to hell. That's the truth. Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying this not to discourage people from practicing martial arts. Or any type of combat sport. Because remember... Earlier on, I say it's good. It's good to learn self-defense. I'm saying this to Christians. I'm saying this because, well, after you listen to me, I always encourage you to just get into the Word. Just pray. Ask God. I mean, it's really up to Him. He's the one that decides all of this. We have to look to Him. Go into the Word and pray and ask God and examine um, the school that you're in. I mean, are they heavily into the natural man and they're heavily influencing on occult and mysticism, you know, 
and things like are they teaching more of that or are they actually teaching sport now if you're teaching more of their philosophy and their religion it's a good chance it's a predominant cult and they're just using martial arts to try to suck you in you know now there are natural men that does teach martial arts for teaching sake of martial arts and they don't have so much to eastern Muslim, which is not bad but if you have a chance to go to a christian that's a good martial artist such as renaissance academy of martial arts schools in lynchburg virginia they borrow means go for it you know go for it well to sum up what i said about Christians that do martial arts just like anything else we need discernment we need to be led by the Holy Spirit so we don't get snatched up into darkness well we are at the end and thank you for listening to this two hour podcast God bless you guys.